Welcome to episode number 65 of the Student Manager Podcast. It's Fonger News, and guess what? We're doing another live remote podcast. We're with a, I'm going to say the winningest California girls basketball coach and a friend that I've known for 15 years, Kevin Kiernan. Coach Kiernan, what's up? Hey, just another beautiful day here at Modern Day. We're on spring break. We've got about... Uh, 100 games to get through this week with all the sports. We're impacted like you wouldn't believe, and uh, we're getting through. We're getting through it. So the last time when we talked and when we set this up, you weren't the interim athletic director. You were just the English teacher and the girls basketball coach at Modern Day. And I said, let's talk college. Let's talk our experiences. And now you are sitting. We're in the athletic director's office, uh, formerly that I sat here with Tia. And, and now you're, you're making a lot of changes here, too. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an upgrade from my corner office uh, with the girls' basketball. But, uh, yeah, we've been at the job for about two weeks now. And, um, you know, we're just trying to uh, stabilize the position and, uh, you know, move forward in a positive way. Uh, just trying to help Modern Day out. That's, that's the big thing. People think of Modern Day they think of it as a college, a low mid-major, even you can see even a mid-major with all the athletes that are coming out of here. So as athletic director, what, what are some of your goals and direction? Yeah, well, right now it's, it's to survive this, this incredible impacted pandemic season. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate that the, all of our sports are getting to play, but we're all doing it at the same time. So uh, the logistics of that, the game management of that is, is really, uh, really complicated right now. So we're just trying to stay uh, up, up with that, make sure all our kids are in the right place, make sure we have officials for every game, make sure we've got it COVID safe, uh, following protocols. So we really don't have time to think big picture <laughs> right now because the little picture is so complicated. So once we get past the little picture towards the end of May, we'll start thinking big picture goals. Well, you know, I've been a big KK fan for 15 years. Thank uh, you. When Brennan started out at OCO and Cameron was there with uh, Julia. So I... I, if anyone, if I had any say, let's just take the interim off. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone's listening out there, take the interim off and let's just give you the AD position. You. Much appreciated. <laughs> well, we'll see how these two months go. We'll see if we if we want to keep the interim <laughs> off or something. But we'll uh, we'll see how these next two months go because my season's right in the midst of it too. Well, you're absolutely right. It's so weird watching your game against Esperanza last week and then going to watch Bruce's game on Friday. Here we are in spring. The national championship game is tonight, and you're playing football and basketball. Right. I mean, we just watched Stanford win a national championship uh, last night. It was beautiful. It was a great game between two great teams, Pac-12, go. And now I got a game tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it's so weird. We should be not playing, but we are, and we're grateful. But it is so weird. It's, it feels like spring league. Like We used to play spring league and summer league. Yes. Uh, before a club really took uh, really got going and took over back in the old days, this feels like a spring league game to me. Yeah. And by the time this airs, the national championship game will be over. You're right, Tara just won. Was it her? Her third, third? first one in 29 years, first which is one. incredible when you think about it. Yeah. It seems like they win all the time. Well, I'm glad Gino finally didn't win one. <laughs> it's been a it's been four years now since he's won one. But you have, and this is a great transition teeing it up. You have senior Brooke Dimitri going to Stanford. Yeah. Uh, next year and this whole podcast is to help high school students and parents with the college search and admission process giving those raw stories those raw experiences and with Brooke I, I, I watched her and you've had many but we're just talking about Brooke going to Stanford Stanford just winning this is your person on your team right now I, I watched her as a freshman was this kid something special she was and obviously as a basketball player it's easy to spot a really great player. You know, you've seen when Kalina was young mm -hmm. and when Brooke was young, when Katie Lou Sanderson and Carly Sanderson were young, you could tell these guys are great players. What separates them is, is, is their makeup, their mentality, um, how they carry themselves, what, what a kind of teammate they are. You know, Brooke really set herself apart with how she handles her daily business and what kind of kid she is and how easy she was to coach. With going to Stanford, you know, having had kids who went to Stanford. Carly Samson went to Stanford. Uh, I've had kids recruited by Stanford. Stanford does a great job, uh, more so than other colleges, of knowing right away we can recruit this kid or we can't recruit this kid. Because with their admission standards, 
um, they have to go after a certain kid. Yes. They can't waste their time on a kid that may get in or may not get in. They have to be sure not only of the kid's makeup, their intelligence, their grades, they have to be sure they're going to make it at Stanford. So they're going after a certain kid, and I give them a lot of credit. They focus, they find, and they pursue only the kids they know will make it there. A lot of schools don't do that. They just go after everybody and see what sticks. So, and I know that's a select few. I mean, because if someone's out there listening, either as a student, be wanting to be a student athlete or a parent, saying, oh, my kid, let's just face it, here in Southern California, this time right now, people are hearing from colleges, and I have a lot of friends in the last few years, they're getting rejected, deferred, or waitlist, but I have to be honest, they're all applying to the same goddamn fucking schools, right. UCLA, <laughs> USC, Stanford, and they only accept so many, right? right? So... And you go back to even the uh, the Samuelson who went to Stanford, right? Because I know Katie Lou went out to UConn. We'll talk right. about that. But Stanford, and I've talked to some other athletes um, uh, that are have played different sports. Yes, they have that high criteria to uh, you know get accepted. But a normal student's like a thirty-four ACT, right? Right now, football I know is a little bit lower in. Brooks case it still was high but it's still not the 34 35 God. correct right right and and you hit it right on the head about the the, the conditions out there of, of, of great kids getting rejected from schools I have a kid on my team this year a great kid USC's her dream school she doesn't really want to play basketball in college but she wants to go to USC and is having trouble you know making that happen and, mm -hmm. and is you know crushed by it uh, this this happens, and um, but there's so many great schools out there, and like you said, everybody's focusing on two, three, four schools. If you broaden that search base a little bit, you you got a much better. Absolutely, chance. there's yeah. like 400 D1 schools out there, not to mention D2 and AIA. Yeah. So as a coach, that's seen a lot and dealt with a lot of parents, especially out here in Southern California, and students. What advice and recommendations do you give them? I, I, my advice to the, all the kids that I, that I work with is give me a list of schools that is not targeted and narrowed. Give me a huge list. And are you willing to go anywhere? If you open yourself up to other schools and a broader base, your chances are so much better of one, getting a scholarship, or two, getting entrance into the school, a good school of your choice. Uh, when you narrow down to two, three, four schools, and that's your that's all you've narrowed it in, that's all you want to do, your odds go way, way, way down, you know, both athletically and academically. And you just, you're leaving yourself open to the heartbreak of not getting in. So I'm a big believer in just opening, expanding that base and, and using the whole country as a, as, a, as a platform. There's great schools all over the country and great experiences leaving this area too. So. Right, and, and my advice is have your three or four stretch schools. Right your four or five moderate schools, and then I like to call them fallbacks or safety schools, those two or three. Sure. Right? So your daughter uh, obviously uh, played for you, which we'll talk about, but also went through that experience of going to that college in search admission process, being a D1 student athlete, and now she's playing for another parent, her mom, right. over at Concordia. <laughs> so <Poor> and kid. I, <laughs> damn. And... Well, at least I can say I coached her back in the OCO <laughs> years when you would sit on the sidelines and, and just... hardly watch. Thank God for OCO. What a great organization. And all our kids played it. And right? I mean, that's... So grateful for OCO. Right? Great memories and, and great foundation. So, so, and you talk about that because I think you learn the basic fundamentals, right? I mean, in, in today's age with sports, every parent has their goggles on thinking they're yeah. going to be the best yeah. next greatest thing but yeah and, and OCO is good to my kids whether they were st stars or just average players they were good to my kids and they also learned how to be a servant leader because OCO did so many great things yes. in the community yes and that shouldn't be overlooked I mean uh, that's a big thing we try to stress here too and they learned that at a young age and OCO for those listening it's the Orange County Optimist group it's the Asian Basketball League and people would always say oh you're Asian playing basketball of course <laughs> mine were and then all of a sudden that's how I met your wife and you yeah what are we like, doing they're saying now <laughs> so go back to Cameron because as a parent uh, was her only option Concordia that's a great question because you know as a basketball coach to her I would let her know that 
Concordia is not your only option. You know, I can broaden this for you. I mean, you're a good, solid player. She's not an unbelievable Division One athlete, but she's a good, solid basketball player who knows how to play the game and played at the highest level of high school basketball. So I could have broadened that for her, but she was kind of blocked in on Concordia, and her mother is a pretty good recruiter, I guess. Right. <laughs> and sold her a bill of goods <laughs> and brought her into Concordia. So she pretty much was starting to focus on, on Concordia and uh, – getting a full ride at Concordia and fitting in there academically. And Cameron's a good student. And uh, it worked out beautifully because she, you know, got to play 14 games this year as a freshman. In a free year, she'll get that freshman year back Absolutely. if she wants it. And that's another thing we should, you know, that's, you know, impacting all of these kids now is, is you know, there, there's going to be a roadblock here for a lot of kids sooner rather than later. And, and I agree. We can get into that right now because... Even last year at this time, we are talking about who's going to come back for the year. Is it you know, worth it? Are they going to just pack it up and get your degree and go to the working field? What What's your take on it and what's your advice if a parent came to you or a student athlete came to you on having that extra eligibility year? Yeah, well, one, it's a, it's a great thing for the kids who got the extra eligibility. I mean, it gives them options. So if I'm a senior and I graduated, I still get another year. Now I can do a grad transfer and go to another college and play. And a lot of the, a lot of times this happens where a, a girl or a boy um, will have a will play better than they thought they'd play. They, they develop better than they thought they would, and they think they could play at a higher level, and they graduate, and they have a year left, and they go play at a, a Duke or a Kentucky for a year. And those kids are the kind of kids coaches want because they're mature, um, they're in it for the right reasons, and uh, they'll give you senior leadership. So the grad transfer thing is an awesome thing for coaches and, and for kids. Where the problem's going to be now is, is the kids that don't leave for the incoming freshmen. Right. That's going to be where the roadblock is. So less scholarships are going to be available. And the transfer portal is so full now with kids leaving that most schools, instead of uh, an incoming freshman, will go into the transfer portals. You know, the D D1 schools would rather have the kid from the transfer portal who has some experience uh, rather than maybe the high school kid who might not help for a couple of years or they would have to redshirt for a year. So big decisions for high school kids. So I'm, I'm telling our high school kids to, one, you've got to work harder now, not, not basketball-wise, but you've got to work harder in your search because you've got to find a fit. You, you can't, a school that has all their players coming back for the next three years, you know, because of this situation, you're never going to play there. It's, it's going to be a block from day one. So do you have girls on your current team uh, we'll call them not the Brooks, but the tweeners that are in that situation today where you're pushing them harder or they're working on that search process harder? Well, I'm working on the fit. You know, you, uh, we have some seniors who are unsigned. We've got three seniors who are signed, Division One players, Pepperdine, UNLV, and, and uh, Stanford. They're good to go. Um, and they're going to be okay. They're, they're, they're highly sought after. They're going to be okay. They're going to find a way onto the floor. Right. Um, but we also have some kids who are... But for better lack of a better word, the tweeners, and who are still looking for that fit, whether it be Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, or Division One, if, if things broke the right way, we've got to work harder with for those kids. We've got to get more eyes on those kids because right now there's no room at the end for, at a lot of places because of the situation we're all in. So in a normal year something could have shaken loose at a place like Concordia or Biola or a Vanguard or, you know, a Zusa Pacific might not be the case this year um, because they might be full. Their rosters might be full. My wife's roster, she has 15 kids on her roster. Um, there's no place to put them. So the work to get eyes on those kids who are still looking is going to be tough. So if I'm out there listening, and I know so many colleges out there, and you mentioned some great small schools out yeah. here in California, but it, it, it could be his first student as well, because we can get into Brennan and his, he's at Concordia too, yeah, right? Your son. And I don't know if he looked out of state or if he just stayed wanting to stay in state, but as a coach and as a parent, what other schools out there besides the big, I call them sweatshirt brands, right? Mm -hmm. The big names, or even some of the the, the, uh, even for a student athlete like a UNLV or a Pepperdine, uh, even some other colleges that people aren't aware of. Yeah, uh, there's so many. Um, you know, we get calls from, you know, the, the Naval Academy, George Washington, 
um, schools up and down the coast, Oregon, Washington, Division II schools, mm-hmm. you know, coaches that will call me and they'll almost apologize for calling. Coach, I know your kids are all spoken for, but, you know, we're a small Division II school in Oregon and in a beautiful uh, setting. We would love to have some of your kids here someday. And go, Coach, I, I got three or four kids. I, I don't have anything. I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, I'm all I'm in. in. I'm in. What, what do you got? And so, um, you know, and, and that's a coach just taking a chance on calling me. Um, so there's trepidation on both sides. You know, I mean, do my kids want to go away that far? And do the, the schools that are out there think that modern day has something? Um, so it, it's, it's, I think it's tough to match kids. It's like a matchmaking process. You know, you've got to have work with the kid to find the right spot, but you've also got to tell the kid, are you willing? To, are you willing to open yourself up to this? You know, there's, you can't all, everybody can't all stay in California and go to this school down the street. Right. And you're seeing that in normal students. For example, UCLA this year, 135,000 applications, I think 20,000 more than a normal year, oh my right? And their acceptance rate's 12%, if that. So I'm already telling people, uh, everyone has an unweighted 3.9, everybody has a 33, 34. So 100,000 people are going to get rejected. Right. So like, let's go think of other schools out there. And why wouldn't you, you know, with those odds? You know, those are cold, hard numbers. That's gonna happen. That's not just, you making that up. <laughs> You're right. You know, I'm not trying to scare you. <laughs> this is the truth. That's why this, my podcast is more of a service right. oriented. It started out, obviously, as a broadcast journalism minor, communication, yeah. third journalism major at Minnesota, yeah. right? Sports, right? People, you know how this podcast started. I, I've taken all my kids uh, on college road trips in the summer from like 2007 to 12. And then in the last two or three years, friends like yourself or would say, what about this college? What about this college? Because I've been on over 125 campuses wow. as a student manager, right. as well as just taking visits when I was working in Minnesota. Well, what a great campus. I love that campus. Beautiful. Only in the summer, though. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, they would ask me, right? And and I would give my advice, and I would tell them. And, and then I, they said, you got to go share this with people because yeah. people want to hear. It's important. It, rather than hearing all the same schools. So that's why I like to get different perspectives and your perspective is great because not only are the winningest girls coach in California have seen it with your kids your own kids but as well as the recruits so let me ask you this because you started out at Detroit High School and then you went to Cypress Community College before you came here at Modern Day you've seen a lot just in terms of your players your females going on to pursue post-secondary education and with the parents with the whole yeah. search and admission process what has changed or what yeah. are you seeing today as compared to what you used to see well i was at cyprus first before i got to troy but and it, it, that's a major point for me because i learned how to recruit the recruiting process at a jc my only job is not to win games at a jc my job is to get those kids out of there when you step onto the campus of a JC, your goal is to leave that JC and get to a four-year. So I learned a, a ton about dealing with colleges in my six years at Cypress College. It, it was invaluable to me uh, as far as helping kids get scholarships. And then at places like Troy and now here at Modern Day, we're dealing with such good students. The kids at Troy were unbelievable students. Yes. Unbelievable academic, uh, rigorous school. Um, so it was never, for me, ne- I've rarely had any issues academically with any of our kids. It's, it's about fit. And the difference I see now, you know, with the parents is, um, you know, with basketball, it's been more of a focus on club and high school, using club and high school to get where you want to go kind of in a unique individual way, where 10 years ago it was more... I'm going to have this great high school experience. I'm going to play basketball, and I'm going to, you know, if I'm good enough, I'm going to get a scholarship because I'm a good student. And it was like a, a happy, more of a happy thing. Like, yeah, I got a scholarship. You know, I, but our kids at Troy all went to great schools, um, and getting to play basketball was a bonus for them. As we've gotten more into the club in high school, and you know, kids are kind of focusing on what they can get out of the situation more. In a, I don't want to say selfish way because every kid should be selfish about that, but more of if I come to Modern Day, I should be here. And, you know, if I come to a school like Modern Day, I should get this. And, and if that doesn't happen, something went wrong. Let's just use the word because I'll say it. 
and we've had conversations about this, they're entitled. Some, yes, right? absolutely. <laughs> it, it it's out there. And, um, you know, I sometimes you have to just let the road take you where the road's going to take you. Um, where your kid ends up is where they're supposed to end up. Um, you can't really force the issue sometimes. And because uh, that can, that you ask why the transfer portal is full, that's why. Because um, we're picking colleges based on Instagram likes sometimes. So, you know fit. what? You, you brought up a great topic because, and it leads to the transfer portal being full. Let's just take student athletes out of it because there are a lot of kids out there going to the wrong school and mm -hmm. transferring. So again, and for those out there, my followers and audience, notice how Kevin is using the word fit. You've said that two or three times. Yeah. I try to emphasize that a lot because there's a fit for everybody and not everybody needs to go to the, what we call the sweatshirt brand schools, right? right? right. So what advice do you have for the parents as well as students listening that aren't even like student athletes. Uh, yeah, again, and I, I, yeah, I agree with you 100% on the word fit. Um, it's almost when you open yourself up to more options, you're going to feel when you go search those and you go visit those and you go talk to the people involved, you are going to feel it when it's right. You are going to know when I'm home. This is this is gonna be this is gonna work for me. I can feel it. You don't have to be an athlete. I can feel it when I walk on campus. I can feel it when I walk through the t the college town. I can feel it when I talk to people. Mm -hmm. But I I'm not never gonna know that if I don't open myself up to looking for that. If I'm forcing myself to a small narrow group of people or a group of schools, and I'm gonna go there because I'm supposed to go there, the name or whatever, you may never feel it. And when you don't feel that. You'll know right away when it's not working out for you. I got to get out of here. This is not good for my mental health. I'm, I, this isn't the right place for me, because I didn't open myself up in the beginning to find out what the right place was for me. It, and that's something I hope everyone out there is listening is because just be open in that fit. Here we are in spring break, and some a lot of my social media posts have been get out there, go visit the campus. I just got back from Seattle. We went to go see Sophia. And they, she laughs at me every time. Every time I'm on that campus, I walk the campus. I'm like, why is your dad walking the campus? Because you can see all the vibrant energy, parents taking their kids there and seeing if it's the right fit. And, right. and I'll tell a kid, just walk the student union, walk the campus, walk the streets, and ask yourself, can you see yourself there for four years? Absolutely. That's right? a big question. And do it yourself. because Don't do it with mom there's, and dad. There's people paid a lot of money to make up your mind for you. Right, the, the the athletes with the recruiting, the, the recruiters are very skilled. That's why they're there, and the admissions and and advancement people with the non-athletes. That's why they're there. They're there to convince you that this is the right fit for you. But do you feel it? And I would get away from those people and just go go by myself for a while. I just want to talk to people. I want to walk around for an hour. I don't need to be, I don't need a tour right now. The tour was great. We appreciate it. Now I want to go on my own individual personal tour of what I want out of a school. And if it checks all the boxes and I'm feeling great, awesome. Great tips. So did you use that criteria when you chose the University of Minnesota? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, I went to I went the JC route first. You know, I was a very average player in high school. I was at Canyon. High you school. could shoot it. I could shoot it, but I wasn't ready to play college basketball. I played for Bob Shermorn, who was a great coach. Rest in peace. He passed away a couple of years ago, and I just wasn't ready. And I, me and my friends were all in the same boat. I was a, friends with a football player and another basketball player. So we decided, you know, let's go away. We don't want to go to Fullerton College. We don't want to go to Santa Ana College. Nothing against those colleges, but that's like getting a part-time job in California. Let's go away. Experience. Experience. We went to Minnesota, played at a North Hennepin Community College in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And I learned how to become a person. I learned how to get in shape, play basketball, lift weights, um, get the most out of myself. I learned how to be on my own, live in an apartment. Um, I enjoyed it. It was great freedom. And then I 
went to the University of Minnesota to finish out my career there and sat on the bench and you know, played JV basketball for a year, but I just loved the school. It was a good fit for me. I loved Minneapolis. It was, it was a great place for me. And it was totally different than Anaheim, California. So for me, it was, uh, it was an awesome experience. I can only speak for myself, but um, for me, it was the right fit. And I got to get away from home and, and grow up a little bit, and I needed that. And so I, I'm a big believer in going away from home. And you, you, I was going to touch on it when you talked about Cyprus, because I've had admission directors on from OCC, right? And especially here at Modern Day, I think like in September, right after, where did you apply? Where did you apply? As an adult, as I went through it with Sophia and Julia, and I don't know if you saw it with Brennan and Cameron, your kids, when their friends come over, or parents love to say, well, where, where are you going to school? Where are you going to sure. school? Right? And they feel that pressure. Right. And I tell people, it's okay to go to a community college, especially if you don't know what you want to do. Right. Right. Why pay 30000 for the same math class that you could take down the street and go take it at, which I think have great transfer programs, OCC, Golden West, IVC, and am I missing somebody? Saddleback, mm-hmm. right? Those four. And obviously, I, uh, Cyprus is right up there. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to go to a community college. You have some of your players going to community college, uh, to play as well as continuing on the route for basketball or just going there to school and then continuing on as a student? Yeah, I, I'm a big believer, not only because I coached at a junior college, because I went to a junior college. I mean, and if I hadn't have gone to a junior college, I don't I don't know if I would have finished college because it taught me how to go to Did school. you hear that? Yeah, it taught me. And now me. look, he's the winningest girls basketball <laughs> coach in California. And it, it taught me how to do things. It taught me how to go to school. And you're right, he hit it right in the head. I, I would have taken the same classes at a four-year school and uh, that I was taking those two years at a junior college and it was much cheaper. So it was just a great, great fit for me. Um, you know, that's not a popular route for, for a modern day kid, you know, because of some of the reasons you brought up. Uh, we've, had a, uh, we've had a couple of players go to a junior college and to play and, and it worked out really well for them. And uh, we had a kid go to Cypress College a few years ago, uh, Ashley Veloso, who was a, just a great kid. And, and uh, it was a great experience for her. But most of the kids here are driven to get that four-year deal going. And, uh, and I understand that. And then we work hard for them to get that. And that's, right. that's a good goal. I don't mean to disparage that goal at all. But um, if you're still unsure and you're going to a school just to go, um, you know, JC would be a great route for anyone, I think. And there's so many out here. Right in our backyard. I, you can throw a football and hit one. Right Absolutely. From, right from my office right here. <laughs> and you can hit a good one. You know, it's not like you're hitting bad ones. They're, they're all great. Some of Sophia's friends, class of 20 with Cameron, they're on the uh, Trojan transfer program at OCC as well as uh, the UC has a great transfer program. You know, yeah. you get into Santa Barbara, UCLA, UC Davis, UC San Diego. But, but even this year, you talked about the transfer portal being full. It's so hard to get accepted. The class of 21, I, I didn't feel bad for Cameron's uh, class or Julia's class because they experienced at least half their year. She, Cameron got her season. She did. Right? Julia got her volleyball season. Right. It's the class of 21 that I felt bad for, and they're, they're the ones that are being impacted. Not only for high school, but right. for college, too. Yeah, and not just for high school, but you're absolutely right for college and what's going to come for them because they're entering a, a, a whole new world that two years ago kids didn't have to enter. You know, Cameron entered college this year um, and she got to live on campus, got to play some sport. Mm-hmm. She's still not taking classes on, on campus. You know, they, athletes have to live on campus, but my son has been online now for since last March at Concordia. So, you know, they're missing a lot of things. And obviously the kids here, we're starting to play sports, we're starting to open up a little bit. We've been on campus most of the year in the hybrid uh, model that they've come up with here at Modern Day. Which Thank is, God. Which has worked really well. But they haven't had a dance. You know, right. they're, they're starting to get to go to football games. We had our first bit. football game. Joshua went to his right. first football yeah, game Friday. Yeah, and he had to win a lottery to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we have some students able to go to the home game this Friday. Yeah, it's so much has been taken away. It's starting to slowly seep back. And But like you, you're right, this has been a tough year for those 21s. Brennan, besides Concordia, did he look at any other schools? Uh, he did. He looked at, uh, you know, we, we told him. We, By the way, he went to? He went to Troy. Troy. And we gave him the option of 
coming here or going to Troy, and he felt really. We lived in Fullerton at the time, yep. and he felt. And I was at Troy for eleven years, so I felt comfortable with him being there, and it was a great experience for him. He got to play sport. He played for some great coaches, who uh, again the fit. The fit was awesome, and uh, he's a heck of a student, and it's a rigorous high school. So he could have went to other places, but he wanted to go to Concordia. Um, the, the situation for us financially was talk about fit. That was a great fit, you know, because uh, of my wife's situation. Being the head coach there, she gets 85% off for, for our kids. So fantastic situation for him. He felt good about it, and he's uh, been on the dean's list both years. He's there. He's doing really well. So it's been, it's been awesome for him. I would love to see him on campus in more of a social atmosphere Yes. rather than just grinding out the work at home on his laptop, which is basically what he's doing. Uh, he takes it really seriously, and he's really – diligent about work he's that kind of person but i would love to see him go out and have some fun Baba. <laughs> you know get out there and have some fun in irvine but <laughs> not yet not yet Hopefully. it's coming i hope so because kid needs to get out <laughs> so i think this is year 14 it is year 14 year 14 over 800 wins yes sir right and i can just i remember just coming to the games and that's when your wife was the assistant and Kalina was a start because 2007 yep. uh, was your first year yep. here. We came in together. Right? Yeah. And People thought that was a... A, a little package a, deal? It was a package deal. She was from Holy Family. We, we, had, we won 80 straight games. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I figured out why. <laughs> She's really good. I remember when I first got the job, and this is funny okay. uh, to me anyway. I got the job, and um, there was a... Uh, club tournament here at Modern Day. And this is the second year of the Morello Center. So beautiful place. So I'm sitting there watching the club game because I just got the job. And three chairs down from me was Kalina. And I did not know who she was. You know, people <laughs> thought we were a package deal. And I don't think she knew who I was. So, you know, I looked over and I go, oh, man, that's a, that's a that kid looks like a heck of a player. A nice girl. And uh, I didn't think nothing of it. She didn't come up to me. I didn't come up to her. And... Um, then when I had the first official practice, you know, Kalina shows up, you know, because she had been accepted and it was a summer. And I go, I know who you are. <laughs> I saw you at this club game. He goes, no, you don't really know who I am. And then she started playing. You're right. I did not know you were that good. <laughs> she was just, you know, some people, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. She's just a legit. Now, player. I'm biased because obviously she was a Spartan at Holy Family. Yeah. And she's my favorite modern day monarch of course but, um you've had two or three other great ones so we can start with niara who went to ucla right right and then who i follow because uh, the, the samuelsons katie lou i just sent you that video I was yeah. scrolling through my phone i remember that free throw yep. but katie lou and now i don't know if we were going to put brooke in that that category but those three those are the ones that stand out because I think you were like 32 and 1, 34 and 0. That run from 2012, 2013 yeah. was yeah. incredible. Yeah, it, it, we, it, we had a Division One team. <laughs> I mean, I had seven Division One players on those two teams. High Division One. High Division ones. And that was 2000, uh, the junior and senior year for Kalina. We were national champions both years, which. You thought this was an everyday thing. Yeah, you get used to it. Like, oh, we're not going to win a national championship every year? What happened? Yeah, we've got to get rid of this guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's impossible to rank the players here because, you know, Kalina got us going and uh, got everything started. She was, a you know, one of the best high school players I've ever seen for anybody, not just modern day. You should have seen her in seventh grade. I couldn't imagine because she was so strong. People thought she was just a great shooter. She was a great rebounder. She could post up. There was nothing she couldn't do on the floor. Uh, Katie Lou and Carly Samuelson were both great players. Naira Fields was a great, great player. Um, so it's impossible to rank things. You know, Brooks up there in the top eight or so. But we've had so many, you know, been fortunate to have so many great players here. Um, you know, you just hope that we keep having great players rolling. And your players, Kalina and Katie Lou, obviously went to UConn. So part of that process, because a lot of people here are UConn, Let's take away just the student athlete, the basketball part. But if you said, "Hey, let's go to UConn," I mean, what was your process of helping out with UConn or, or saying, "Hey, was it always UConn?" Or were they looking at? Yeah, that's funny because I always <laughs> tell people the, the the two easiest 
recruiting process that I've ever had yes. were the UConn kids. I mean, they Why? Knew, they knew right away. Kalina, you figured Kalina is going to be the biggest recruiting war in the history of recruiting wars because she's so good. Katie Lou, the same thing. Um, but Kalina was locked in on the challenge of Utah, of uh, UConn. UConn does a great job of, you know, you, if you want to come play for us, it's not going to be easy. And if you don't want to come play for us, we're not going to. I'm not going to recruit you at all. I'm not chasing you. He challenges you right off the bat. And when you have competitors like Katie Lou and, and Kalina, they respond to that. Some kids would respond to that, oh, he doesn't like me. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. They responded to that right away. They go, oh, I'll show him. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm going to UConn and I'm going to dominate. I'm going to win a national championship. It was brilliant recruiting. It was brilliant by uh, Coach Ariama, and he was here. You know, he came to practices, and he he did his due diligence. He knew they were interested, and he recruited them. But they both decided by junior year that they were going to UConn. So I mean, it was done early. So we really never had a recruiting war for either of them. It was just going to UConn. I go, you sure? You want to go to Stores, Connecticut? Have you been to Stores, Connecticut? Especially in January (laughs) and February. You know, um, but uh, you know they absolutely loved it and you know the one thing with those kids who, who buy into what UConn does they love it for life I mean you, you see those players always coming back you see those always players when they get to the WNBA or they get out of school that they are helping each other uh, you know Plain is still lifelong friends with those kids who went to UConn Katie Lewis the same thing well I see Kalina a few years ago working in the athletic office yeah, she you know. came down and did an internship here through the WNBA. I mean, she gives back. Whenever we have a camp, they both right. come back. Um, and Katie Lou was under a lot of pressure to not go to UConn because her sisters, her older sister and her younger, and her two older sisters, Carly and Bonnie, right. both were great players for Stanford. And both went to Stanford, and, you know, common wisdom was, well, though, Katie Lou will go to Stanford. But Gino challenged her, and she knew right away that she... Nothing against Stanford. She loved Stanford and, you know, obviously what's not to like, but she was set on UConn. It was, uh, you know, people would always ask me, is she going to Stanford? Nope, she's going to UConn. You know, why, why, why is she going to follow her sisters? Well, she doesn't want to. You know, Make a name her, for herself. She's her own person, and she has been challenged by UConn, and uh, it was a great move for her, too. And that's part of the culture that you create here. I, I mean, the we's greater than me. Yeah. Right. Your passion, your energy, your service, your 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 you're a teacher. Yeah. First. Absolutely. I I've watched you, and I love watching you coach. And 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 Joshua said something the other day. He's like, I see him. I heard him practice, and I go, Oh, you you haven't seen anything like <laughs> I've seen. Like those f bombs. I mean, you watch him coach. He gets really yeah. passionate. I I was watching from another game the other night from up here, Esperanza. You're up by 30, and you're still... <laughs> sure, you got to keep working. But every kid deserves that. I agree, especially when in the fourth quarter. You have your bench in, and those kids deserve to be coached. I shouldn't be sitting there laughing on the bench because we're up by 40. That's a disservice to those kids. They deserve to be coached, and, and coached hard. Like, if they make a mistake, it's not right not to call It's like a out. tie game. Right, absolutely. To them, it is. To them it is, and that's the way it should be. You'll look at a real college game or any game in the last 30 seconds or a minute. I mean, those are the players that are working hard at practice. Yeah, that's your scout team. No weak links. No right? links, yeah. And and you can't have, let's talk about this, you can't have all Kalinas on your team or, no. or, or Katie Lou, all five Katie Lou's on your team. You need some role players. You do. And, uh, you know, I... And some years we've had it where the kids all thought they were Kalinas, you know, and we've had some unhappy, you know, not, we would still win, but it wasn't a lot of fun because the kids were, they all thought they were Okay, I'm going to sidetrack because I still remember this. I just told this story. I said, you know, especially as kids, we think you're entitled, right? And they want to go have a conversation with the coach or the parent wants to have a conversation with the coach. Correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the day or still today, if a player wants to, if having a disagreement with you, and obviously they go home and tell mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy call you, they want to have a meeting, you agree, but you only agree under one condition. Am I right? The player has to be at the that play, meeting the player, too. The player should always be at the meeting because the 
what was said usually gets distorted by the time it makes its makes its way down the five freeway and gets home. So we just want to make sure that, that the message wasn't distorted. Now there could still be disagreements. You know, I've had I've had parent issues. We all every coach has, and uh, some of them work out great, and you know, and some of them never work out, and you disagree to disagree, or you leave, or whatever happens happens. Um, because my job isn't to make everybody happy, and if I try to make everybody happy, everybody will be miserable. You know, I can't make everybody happy in a situation where you're dealing with 15, you know, kids who want the most out of this, you know, that they can possibly get. So it's really hard to get kids to now buy into the we over me. It's, it's a tough thing to do. And some years it works out beautifully, and some years it doesn't. And the last two or three years have really been really good for me because the kids have... You know, whether they're winning or not, in the last couple of years they have been big, um, it's been fun. I go downstairs and, and go to practice and it's a lot of fun because I enjoy the kids. And right. you know, no matter how intense or hard I am or coaching I am, they respond. And they, and they do it in a way where there's humor and there's, it, it's, it's just a good feeling. Uh, you know, if you've been coaching long enough, you know, me, it's been 36, 37 years, you're going to have teams where they don't buy into that. And, and uh, you've had those years. I've had those. And those years were winning years, and no one would know from the outside. And that's the greatest point you could ever make. I mean, because people don't understand. You could go 28-3 and three and hate every minute of it. And I've had those years. And, and that's when you wonder, oh, how much longer can I do this? Because this is miserable. I don't want to go down to practice. So how long are you going to do this for? I'm going to do it as long as I can, as long as they let me. Um, we've got to see how this job goes, because this job is a huge job. And um, when they, as we move forward into the next year, will they be let the uh, head athletic director be a basketball coach too? Because it is a huge job. We'll have to see how they feel about it, how I feel about it, and what we want to do moving forward. I feel I've got a lot of coaching left in me. Um, I feel pretty, tanks full. Yeah, I do. I probably I think I'm in pretty good shape. Pretty young, um, you know, and. Only sixty one, so I think. I and he to... doesn't look sixty one. If I had my, if I'm big time, you know, having videos, we'd be able to. See well, I'm it. much better on radio. So. <laughs> <laughs> you want me on radio, not video. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I feel good, and I have a great staff. Which, you know, one thing I've learned from Bruce and then Gary and the, the coaches here is, is that they have great. They surround themselves with really good people. Um, Dan O'Dell too, you know, just great, great people, smart coaches. Um, who surround themselves with good people and, and take it to another level. So it's not all on my shoulders when I'm down there. I have good coaches, and, and um, they're very talented. And uh, so if I need to do things up here, uh, I can step away for a few minutes and know, hey, the team's in good hands. Right. Where's Coach Karen? Like, we, can't, we can't function. You know, that's not the case. They function quite well. Hire people <laughs> smarter than you. And. That's an easy thing for me to find, but <laughs> it's the truth. It, it really is the truth. You surround yourself with good people, you look smarter. And uh, so I, I hopefully moving forward we'll be able to do everything, but we'll see. What's the greatest thing when all said and done, when you look back, what are you going to remember the most as a coach? Wow. You know, I've had so many great memories and, and great things happen to me. I've been really lucky. Um, you know, winning a CIF title with Cameron was awesome. Yeah, that that's going to be tough to top because um, she was such a great kid to coach. The way she approached things, her mentality. Uh, we we drove to school every day together for four years here and there. You know, and I made her come here at six in the morning so I could do my workout and she could shoot, and she wasn't happy about that, uh, but she did it. And uh, to have it pay off uh, with a ring and the way. It, the way it all worked before everything blew up last year, pandemic wise, mm -hmm. it was just uh, you couldn't have wrote it any better for me personally. The script was was pretty cool, so it'd be tough to top that. Well, Devin's in eighth grade. <laughs> I'm just thinking. <laughs> and Caden's in sixth grade. I've got two more in the pipeline. Um, we'll see. You know, you're gonna. It's gonna be tough for them to accomplish what Cameron did because Cameron had the mentality, the right mentality. She right. uh, she could handle being my daughter with the other girls, and she could also handle my coaching stuff because of her personality. Now that's that's tough. 
because you have to stay in the locker room for those kids who might not be happy with me at that point. And she was great with that, and the other kids really liked her. Um, and then she had a handle, you know, I would be tougher on her than the other kids. Let's we'll see what Devin and, and Caden can come up with. We'll see if they can handle that. They may be able to. I hope they can. It's not 100% that they will. <laughs> so if anyone's ever driving in the parking lot or just driving around and they see this car just with a big Irish clover Celtic. <laughs> I mean, Kevin is the biggest Celtic fan, yes, I think, since I'm like... very loyal. Paul Pierce. <laughs> tell, how did you become a Celtic fan? I, well, I went to the University of Minnesota, and Kevin McHale went to the University of Minnesota, and uh, he was a great Celtic, and I just started following it because I, I love Kevin McHale. He's from, he's from my school. And then I just got totally into the whole culture of being a Celtic, just how tough they were. And you can't be a Celtic fan and a Laker fan. So I was out here most of the time, and I hated the way the – I hated the Lakers, you know, so I loved the Celtics, and – and it just grew, and again, now it's just, you know, I'm totally 100% Celtic through and through. My car is all Celtic out. Everybody knows who I am. My classroom is Celtic out. My office is Celtic out. <laughs> uh, I will say this, and I will give credit to Los Angeles for one thing. If I was a Laker fan, like I am a Celtic fan, and I was living in Boston, and I was doing the things I'm doing in L.A. with Celtic stuff, if I had Laker car, Laker office, my car would be trashed and burning on the side of the freeway in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> they would not stand for it. California's a little a little more relaxed and a little nicer. I there you go, Laker fan. I flipped off on the freeway if, uh, a bunch of times. Honk uh, in. Someone, I'll just look over and someone's going, oh, yeah, give, me the, <laughs> give me the double Larry Bird. <laughs> and, and I, But that's about it. You know, I, I can live with that. Right. I can understand that kind of hate, but no one's been physical with it or damaged my property yet. So Now, this whole series, it's the Fonger Fours uh, podcast with amazing legacy coaches. Uh, I don't know if there's any other environment or school that has the girls winning us all-time coach, the boys winning us all-time coach. Coach Rollo in football and, and Dan, he's like, I can't even be on your podcast. I'm not at their legacy yet. <laughs> and I said, you need to be like the assumption coach that's been there 30 years and has 800 wins. Like, yeah. like Gary has 300 more wins than you. This in this machine that is here at Modern Day is yeah. something special. And first, A, are you ever going to co- catch? Well, as an AD, I don't think you're going to catch him with 300 wins. But the the impact or that does that ever sink in to, to you yeah yeah you know, once in a while it will like my daughters will go hey dad are you got a lot of wins what do you think about that and then i think well well i'm the greatest coach in california history didn't you know that <laughs> you know you know facetiously i'm just kidding and they go yeah you are i go no 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 but you're, you're the one thing that being here grounds you like you said, I'm 300 behind. I'm not even the winningest coach at the school. Much, you know, I got 800 wins, and I can't even be the winningest coach <laughs> at the school. So, and I'm never going to catch him. You know, I mean, um, you know, Bruce is Bruce. He's legendary. I share a hallway with him. We work close. Gary and I are really good friends, and I care about Gary off the court, and, and I care about him on the court, and I want to see him uh, do well. And Dan, if Dan decides he wants to do this like we've done it. You know, for 30 years, Dan's going to break all the volleyball records. You know, he's he's gifted. He's a smart guy. He might be too smart to do it for 30 years. You know, um, we'll see. Um, if I'm a college, I'm calling that guy. But I don't know if that's one of his goals. But And they have called. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Because if I'm a college athletic director, he's on my short list. I want to get him over because he's a bright, bright man. And he, and he has a way with athletes. He has a way with the kids. How many phone calls have you gotten? that you had to turn down, and why? Um, quite a few. Um, I did take a college job. Uh, when I was at Troy, my third, second to last year, I, um, I took the Cal Poly Pomona job. I thought it'd be a great fit. You know, I lived in Fullerton, and it was Diamond Bar, and Pomona were right five miles away from Fullerton, right up to 57. I actually accepted the job, and I met with the team, and I, uh, uh, actually did a couple of individual workouts with the players, and I go, I can't leave. I can't leave Troy. 
you know, my wife was my assistant, you know, my kids were young and I just, it, it, we go back to fit. fit. It didn't <laughs> fit. I feel weird here. And now I think if I would have stayed and just got past that first initial, you know, feeling of regret, I think it would have worked out good because Cal Poly is a great school, great athletic director, but it wasn't right for me. And so I told him I can't do it. I'm going, I have to go, so I have to stay in Troy. And that was, I, I applied for at Cal State Florida and I came close to getting the job at Cal State Florida and didn't get it in, in one time, but that's the only two that were uh, you, you just have your wife do it. She goes to Cal State Northridge, right? And now, right. <laughs> and now she's, yeah, and, and she got the greatest gig of all. She, that's a great gig, you know. I mean, she's in a beautiful campus, a nice division, Division Two. It's very competitive, but, you know, you know, if you want to stay at a place like that, you can stay at it for as long as you want, as long as you do the right thing every day. You know, the pressure to win. If you're at a Division One, even a place like Cal State Florida, your shelf life is probably four or five years, you know, unless you really do something special. Right. And they bring you got to win. Else. Yeah, you got to win pretty big. And otherwise, they bring someone else in, and you go through the cycle again. You know, it's and then you get on that merry-go-round where you're bouncing from college. I didn't want to bounce. You know, I didn't want to do that to the kids. My wife doesn't want to move around. So this is stable, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. But this is perfect, and I've always told you because it's coaching girls, right? Maybe it's just meant to be because now AD, let's see what happens in your position. Uh, and then if someone gets moved up or whatever. But I always told you when Josh was done, I just want to coach girls basketball at a low level. <laughs> <laughs> and have fun. Exactly. Because girls are very coachable. They are. They are very coachable. They take direction. They listen. And they do. You play defense and just do layups. You're going to win games. You're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> and you get a good point guard. <laughs> right? And you're going to win a lot of games. All I need is a point guard, really. <laughs> well, it's been great having you Thank on you. this podcast. This is a lot of fun. It, isn't it fun? We, it, just, we just talk shit and we well, just have well, you're fun. You're a good host. You, oh, you, thank you're you. good at this, Michael. <laughs> you're really good at this. Well, joining us again, Kevin Kiernan, the girls, I, I love saying that, the girls winningest all-time California basketball coach, uh, newly interim athletic director at Modern Day, and this is the first of a four-series with Modern Day's legacy coaches. We're going to have Coach Rollo on. It's going to be a good one. Coach McKnight, and then... Of course, Coach Odell. We got we got to bring volleyball in. You got to bring it. In. <laughs> There's the final four. There you go. Those are going to be great. Those are going to be great. Fonger news from the student manager out. <laughs>